With all this Dalvin Cook news lately, we've been hearing a lot about the Vikings run game and NFL run games in general. But I feel like we could all go for a little bit of an update on exactly what we're looking at when we're looking at an NFL run game. So let's go over that in the broadest of strokes. Welcome to the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You like that? Three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. I am your host, Luke Braun. Let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, whether it is uh, YouTube, whether it's a regular audio platform, or maybe even Amazon Fire or Roku, if you just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Thank you so much for those of you who do listen to this podcast every single day. I appreciate you guys so much. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Today on the show, I wanted to sort of do a tutorial of NFL run games, um, modern NFL run games, because I think the way that we think of run games a lot right now is either outdated or just kind of straight up wrong. I mean, a lot of the conversation you see about players like Dalvin Cook right now, if it's not some attempt at like reporting uh, on the situation, it, it will probably be fantasy analysis. A lot of dynasty drafts going on right now. I know people getting into the redraft leagues. The rosters are basically set. So anybody who wants to like draft before camp is doing it. So there's a lot of fantasy football stuff out there right now. And I think the world of fantasy analysis really gets run games wrong, not in a way that really affects what they do, because for the purposes of their game, they're chasing volume and they're like, it's a whole different world than like the actual gridiron football of, you know, made of people that play the game. Um, But I think it sort of implies this world of run games that I think just leads us astray. So I wanted to just go back to basics and talk about how run plays are typically blocked, what players are trying to do, what their instructions tend to be, how running backs tend to read it. Um, you know, you hear a lot about, like, oh, this one drives me nuts when I see it on Twitter or in an article. Oh, you know, Dalvin Cook did so much better running to the left than to the right. You know, they, the Vikings really should run to the left more. That one drives me insane because uh, I, I truly think it's nonsense, and I'll, I'll get to why. Uh, you know, how that directionality is is, is really decided and exactly what we're looking for from a running back when we do it. And for this, I think we'll start with stretch runs outside zones. Um, the sort of bread and butter of, of like, I don't know, half the NFL playbooks. Now, most of the NFL playbooks, honestly, uh, are doing some variation on, on an outside zone as their kind of bread and butter. And then the differences come in like what bells and whistles they add on to that. But I think outside zone is also really helpful because it's sort of the base simplest version of like everything else. If you understand outside zone, everything else you can say, well, it's outside zone, but with this tweak, it's outside zone. But if the running back reads it this way, it's inside zone or if it's outside zone, but uh, you know, everybody blocks to their other side and somebody pulls that's power. Like uh, if you understand outside zone, you're really, really close to understanding all the other plays. So we'll start with that. And I guess the best place to uh, start here is, is everybody's got a different name for it. I'm going to go with covered and uncovered. If you are 
covered, you have certain instructions. If you're uncovered, you have certain instructions. Now, keep in mind that it, that really depends on the defensive front. So you've already added this layer of responsibility that the offense has no control over at all. If the defense wants, let's say there is a, a guard that's really bad at climbing, this is one of the weaknesses of outside zone, right? Let's say this guard that's really bad at getting into the second level. Brett Jones, if, if I remember, that was his thing. Um, he was he struggled a lot in the second level, if I remember. Um, you could run fronts all the time that leave him uncovered and ask him to climb all the time and use that to exploit it, right? Um, but typically, you're going to see a lot more varied fronts and everybody's going to do a little bit of everything because running the same front all day probably comes with more drawbacks than that's worth. Uh but basically the idea is, am I covered or am I uncovered? Um, that essentially means if you are covered in most versions of this that I'm familiar with, if you've got a guy straight up on you, so if you're the guard and there's a, a two technique straight head up on you, or if there's a guy in your gap. Now, whether your gap is the one to your left or to your right on this play depends on the play call. We'll get into that. Uh, but whatever gap you're assigned to, if there's a guy in that gap, he's yours. If there's a guy on you, he's yours. And if not, then you are uncovered. So a lot of that means in outside zone that your gap is the one to the front side of you. And I'm going to say play side of you. Play side and backside are the, is the terminology that I hear the most uh, when describing this. Play side is the side the play is designed to go toward, right? Front side of the run. And then backside is if the, the play cuts back, right? So to your play side, your gap is what you're responsible for. If there's a guy in there, you have to reach block him, which means you have to win on his outside shoulder, which means you have to get all the way across his body and win that outside shoulder. It's like a long way to go, and that's pretty hard, which is sort of another drawback of, of zone, is that you need guys that can do those reach blocks, and guys that can reach block consistently get valued really, really highly in the NFL. Um, if nobody is in your gap, if nobody's on top of you, then you're uncovered. Maybe there's a guy to your gap, but it's to the backside of you. But that's not your gap. That's the guy, the next guy's gap, right? Um, so then you're uncovered, and that means you're probably going to double team. So you're going to help your teammate to the backside of you, uh, either with just like a quick hand check or maybe a, a truer double. And then you're going to climb up to a linebacker. If you're uncovered, typically, and this is in pure unvaried vanilla outside zone that you would see in the preseason. Um, if you're uncovered, nobody in your gap, nobody on top of you, you get up to a linebacker and now that's your job, right? Um, this is where a lot of minutia starts to sort of make this general tutorial thing less useful because Uncovered doesn't necessarily mean double up to a linebacker in all cases, um, in all blocking schemes, you know, uncovered could have a totally different, uh, assignment, which what means covered and uncovered could have a different assignment in other blocking schemes. But if you understand what I have said so far about outside zone, then just use that as a base. And to understand other run plays, you just sort of like tweak from there. I think that's going to be the best way to learn this. Um, a lot of zone runs will also, like technique-wise, they require a few steps before engaging. You really want to open up your hips and sort of uh, take one, two, three steps, depending on what your coach to do. And and like at different levels, this is going to be different too, like in the NFL versus high school. Uh, then, you know, then you turn up and do it. Um, but 
maybe the hardest job. So like if you're an offensive coordinator and you're going, man, I've got four good linemen and one bad one. How do I hide the bad one? It's kind of hard to do that on zone because like what's the easiest job? The easiest job is probably is the guy doubling because you really just need to put a hand into him and he's not really your job. And, you know, you can go up and get a linebacker. That's going to be an easier assignment, assuming you can get to him. But in sometimes that's the hardest job, like as the backside uh, uncovered player, whether that's the guard or the tackle, or maybe if it's even the center and the, and the run is going way outside because the backside linebacker is going to end up being your job. Um, whether that's the strong side or the weak side or whatever, that backside linebacker, you're going to have to like halt your momentum, block somebody to the backside of you, then get your momentum going back to the front side, haul ass five yards upfield, and then go get a linebacker that was not interested in waiting for any of that. That guy's probably making the tackle. But the way I see it with outside zone, and I think the reason it's so popular is, hey, look, man, if that's the guy making the play, you probably got four, five, six yards upfield before the linebacker on the backside managed to catch up to the running back, get through all the traffic, not run into any lead blockers or anybody else or anybody that ended up in the second level. And if he's making the tackle, it's kind of a heck of a play for that linebacker. And it's also like a pretty good game. So if if you're with me still, if you understand, all right, is there a guy in my gap? Is there a guy in front of me? And if not, I'm going to double someone and, and climb up. If you understand that, then you're on a great track to understanding like 90% of NFL run schemes. Everything from there is bells and whistles and variants. If you would like to take that knowledge and then apply it to some grambles, FanDuel is here for you. You can go uh, gramble on over-unders for various running backs or, or just teams in general, win totals and stuff, who will win what division. You can also just go gramble on the finals, be it NBA or NHL, uh, Stanley Cup. Or you can just go bet on some baseball games, which is always nice, too. Who's going to get a home run? That kind of stuff. Mix and match it all into a whole bunch of interesting parlays. That's also a great option. And you can find all of that at FanDuel.com. Plus, new customers to FanDuel.com get a no-sweat first bet. If you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that means if you whiff on that first bet, you can get up to $2,500 back in bonus bets. Just for going to fanduel.com slash locked on and signing up through the right URL. That's $2,500. That number's been juiced up just for going to fanduel.com slash locked on. Their app is super secure, safe, easy to use. It is uh, instant payouts when you win, and it's just a boatload of fun. So go on over to fanduel.com slash locked on. Get that no sweat first bet. Fanduel, make every moment more. Thank you all so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second listen, uh, or I guess your second watch, when you're done with this, go check out patreon.com slash NFL. Check out the history doc if you haven't already. It's a great time of year. It's long. It's it's seven episodes, uh, but it's the entire history of the Minnesota Vikings, if you're interested in that uh, seven-part series, all free to watch at patreon.com slash NFL. sort of my passion project of last year, and I'm just I just couldn't be prouder of it, so I'd love it if you went and checked it out. And hey, if you'd like... Join me on Patreon. Um, moving on with this. Okay, so hopefully we sort of understand how things will be blocked, right? And if you draw it up, if you see a playbook, you'll see like six different variants. If you see like this is the page for outside zone, there's like eight different variants of it. And you're like, oh my God, how am I supposed to memorize all of this? A lot of times that's just the same rule set. And if you understand the rule set, just how it plays out against different fronts that you'll commonly see. To understand the run game, you kind of have to understand at least the basics of a front, 
Um, and odd spacing and even spacing is going to be the terminology you hear a lot for this. Even spacing is typically you'll have guys lining up in gaps and one gapping. So here I'm lined up between the center and the guard and I'm responsible for that gap and I'm the nose tackle. And hey, you know, I'm on the other side. I'm on between the, the guard and the tackle. I'm the three technique and I'm responsible for that gap and all that. And maybe you're stunting and you're responsible for a different gap than the one you're lining up on for the sake of tricky tricks. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. The point is that's like the the fronts that you'll typically see. And then odd spacing, you'll see a lot more guys head up on linemen and you're responsible more for that guy and sort of the gap on either side of him called two gapping. Regardless of what those players are doing, wherever they align is determining what the offensive line's job is, right? Um, and so whether you've got a lot of guys over on one side and you know, all those gaps are filled, okay, well, all those guys are reach blocking then. Or if it's a little bit more spread out, some are reach blocking, some are doubling, some have a guy on them, some don't, etc. Um, let's move on, though, to the way the running backs read this kind of stuff, because this is where I think a lot of people um, get a little maddeny with it and uh, derogatory. Um, no, I, I don't, I don't want to judge, but the, the way, like the one that I think of all the time is there was this Alexander Madison run a couple years ago. Uh, I think it was 2020 against Seattle's fourth and one that he didn't get to. And everybody's like, that was the wrong run and all that. And, um, the way that that's typically coached, it's really easy to understand why Madison went that way. And the bounce to the outside that everybody wanted to do wasn't like as there as it looked. And that's just our brains getting caught on like slow motion. But I, I see that kind of stuff and I go, okay, we need to like really think about what running backs are told, at least understand how running backs are coached and what decision tree they're actually working with. And then we can say, Hey, maybe they should have made a different decision on that tree because I'm watching it in slow motion and I can see it. And so we can kind of afford to say that while still understanding and having respect for the fact that they're reading all this at light speed because they're the best in the world, right? But on outside zone, again, this is the cleanest, purest version. Typically, 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 all right, I know there are coaches that watch this show and follow me on Twitter and stuff that might teach all of this way different, and that's totally fine and valid. I'm, I'm talking broad strokes, a simple way to understand it so that people without backgrounds in football like myself can come to understand it because this is how I came to understand it. This is where I'm at. Um, so typically the running back will, uh, aim himself, will be coached to aim himself right at the booty, right at the butt of the play side tackle. So whatever the front side of the run is that tackle, let's say it's Brian O'Neill. You go at Brian O'Neill's butt. And if the, and then it kind of depends on what the, the edge rusher does from there. Let's say the edge rusher is there and let's say there's no blitzing linebacker. Or there's no tight end on that side or whatever, just to keep things at abundantly simple. Um, if that edge rusher tries to go way up field and is on the outside shoulder of Brian O'Neill. Okay. Then you read to the next gap. So you were going to go to the C gap, which is outside the tackle. Now we'll go in one to the B gap. And let's see what's going on with O'Neill and Ed Ingram. And then if that's there, you take it. And if not, you go to the A gap between Ingram and uh, Garrett Bradbury. And you just keep reading gap to gap to gap to gap to gap. Sometimes you get through all those gaps and you end up bending that thing all the way back to the other side of the play. And it's a backside cut back. And that's great. And Dalvin Cook has gotten plenty of explosive plays doing that. Um, and, and sort of the grand advantage and idea of outside zone blocking is that it has that flexibility that the uh the the running back has the freedom to take a run that was called outside zone right 
and break it off to the left if that's what the defense gives you. It gives you a little bit more, it gives you a lot of options and it makes the defense be a lot more honest about every single gap's got to be covered when you're fitting the run, which makes things a lot harder for them to do while also balancing those responsibilities with coverage. Um, so you essentially just read like across the way until you find a gap that you like. Uh, that's why it bugs me a lot when you hear, well, they should run to the left more because who's deciding that? I mean, you can call more runs that are outside zone left, but let's say you're going up against the Browns and they've got miles Garrett and miles Garrett is lining up on that side against your left tackle all the time. So lining up at that right defensive end. And let's just say that's the matchup they've chosen. They're going to have miles Garrett over on that side all day. Um, and you call outside zone left a whole bunch because you read on Twitter that the fantasy analysts wanted you to call more left side runs. They say, well, Dalvin Cook gets more yards to the left. All right, let's call left side runs. Outside zone left all day. And every single time, Miles Garrett, beast that he is, forces the cutback, right? He either gets penetration or he just wins to the outside of Christian Derrissar or whatever. And let's just say he's just getting them that day. And you just keep calling outside zone left and he keeps cutting it back to the right, has a great day running to the right. Or maybe even a mediocre day running to the right. Then you go back on Twitter and all the fantasy analysts are saying, God, they just keep calling runs to the right. You'd be like going insane, right? You'd go, you'd be ready to commit a war crime. Um, Like that drives me nuts because it's not actually engaging with the decision tree. Who is deciding to go right? The running back. And they might be right to because of what's happening up on the offensive line. If you see that, oh man, it's a lot better when he goes to the left than when he goes to the right. Well, that might just be because Christian Dersaw is winning his blocks more. Or it might be that that's just because there was a defensive end on that side that they were preying on or something like that. There could be all kinds of reasons for it, but it's honestly not a conscious decision anybody's making. You don't go into a game going, all right, well, I want to make sure I run a little to the left, a little to the right, so the defense doesn't know which direction I'm going to run to. Um, That deception comes into play, I think, more so in the techniques and the way that the linemen play it and the alignments and splits, and there's all kinds of other stuff I don't have time to get into today. But honestly, whether a run goes to the left or to the right, or the one, the other one that drives me nuts is, God, they just keep just pounding it up the middle. They call run up the middle for two yards all the time, as if the offensive coordinator is looking at a play sheet that's like, hmm, let's call negative two-yard run this time, click button. Like, nobody's doing that, right? Um, it drives me nuts because that run going up the middle is not necessarily the offensive coordinator's choice. And it might be the running back's choice. It might be the running back making the wrong choice. And that run should have bounced out. Like that often happens on like duo. Um, That might be the fault of an offensive lineman giving up penetration to a defensive tackle. Guy gets tackled in the middle. You chart it as as a middle run, but that thing was outside zone left. They weren't trying to go up the middle at all. Um, So I I think when you're going to make that sort of declaration in terms of like directional running, Try to think about where that play was meant to go. What was the offensive coordinator looking at that when he called that play? Why? Where was that play designed to go? And if it didn't go that way, why didn't it go that way? You're probably going to find very good answers to that question. And your understanding of it all will be expanded. Will that help you be a better fantasy player? Probably not. Fantasy is randomness. And uh, it's God's least favorite game. Uh, But it will at least help you 
understand what you're looking at a little bit better. But that's just outside zone. So how do other plays call into come into this? What about when you add lead blockers, tight ends, all that other stuff? We've still got a lot to to go over uh, for at least this like super 101 run play kind of episode. Keeping it rolling here with the Locked On Vikings podcast. Once again, thank you so much to my hashtag everydayers. Sound off if you can. Uh, so, okay, we understand hopefully the basic framework, at least this, this gap, then on, then kind of find work. Um, basically we understand if we understand that, then you can kind of fold in plays that aren't outside zone by looking at the, the different ways that we tweak from there. So for other versions of zone, like mid zone or, um, or inside zone, the running back reads it different is the best way I know to do it. So for example, the way that the Vikings ran mid zone, which is sort of a hybrid of outside and inside zone, which is what they did a lot in 2020, 2022 under O'Connell, um, instead of, so, so instead of the tackle trying to reach block, like pure outside zone, the, the play side tackle, who is your aiming point, is trying to reach block an edge rusher that's probably lined up to the outside of him. So that means he's got to get all the way across that guy's body. That's a problem. Or that's maybe not a problem, depending on how good you are. But it's a lot easier if you're allowed to down block that guy and just go get him. Just here you are, and I'm just going to push you out of the way and widen up a hole. That in mid zone sort of becomes the way that the play turns out like 90% of the time. Hey, if you get the reach, that's great, but you're like, don't try too hard to just if unless he's given it to you for free, just take the down block and push him out of the way. Christian Derrissaw had a phenomenal season doing this. Um, and then the running back is still aiming at the butt of the tackle, but his first read is to the inside of the tackle and he's only taking the outside of the tackle if it's there. Um, but he's really looking at that B gap inside of the tackle and that's sort of, and then you continue to like read, read back from there. Inside zone, the read's a little different because inside zone, you're not aiming at the tackle. You're aiming at the three technique defensive tackle or at the guard's butt if there's not a three technique defensive tackle. But basically you're, you're aiming at the play side defensive tackle, the defender. And if he is coming up a gap, you shift, uh, play side to the next one, um, and bounce the run back outside. If he is winning to the outside, you cut the run back inside. And if that guy's just getting washed out, you bang it right up the middle. Bang, bend, and bounce. The three Bs of inside zone. It's a different way of the running back reading the play, but the blocking scheme is largely going to look similar. Um, the techniques and offensive line, like intricacies and nuances are a little bit similar or are a little bit different. But again, we're not trying to get into all of that right now. I'm trying to oversimplify this to get a, a baseline. And then you can kind of build on it from there. So what about gap schemes? Power, counter, trap. Uh, these other schemes. Think Lions. They run a lot of this. They kind of run a little of everything. But the Lions do a lot of power stuff. And they're going to do even more the way that they've built that team. You can tell. Um, I like to think of it the same way. Of If someone's in my gap or on me, I got him. And if someone's not in my gap... Now I'm double teaming or I'm doing something else. Um, but instead of your gap being to your play side, so if the run is going to the right, I am blocking the guy to my right, you go to the back side. So on power to the right, I am blocking down on the guy to my left. That now I am 
closer to the running lane than the guy I'm blocking. I can just go straight into him. I don't have to get across his body. That's going to get a little bit easier for most of the players. But in power, for example, one player, if you if you think about it that way, everybody blocks the guy sort of behind them. But what about the edge rusher to the play side? Again, what about that Miles Garrett example? If we're in power at him, Derisaw is now not on Miles Garrett at all. He's going to go down onto a defensive tackle. But now Miles Garrett is unblocked. What are we doing about that? That's the puller. You take a guy from the backside who would otherwise just be kind of down blocking on someone who's never going to chase this play down anyways and pull him to the other side and then he gets to like ear hole a guy, right? Then he, then he just gets to, you know, running start. That's going to help you uh, block Miles Garrett. It's going to make things easier for you in terms of blocking Miles Garrett, right? Um, it's a little bit less scary of a matchup if you get a running start and perhaps a favorable angle on him, depending on how he plays it. And then you have the running back follow that lead blocker, follow the puller. That's your instruction. As soon as the puller engages with Miles Garrett, maybe Miles Garrett wins to the inside, then you have to go to the outside of him. Or if he goes way upfield, like trying to pass rush it, then you can just cut kind of underneath him. And all of all the puller is supposed to do is guide him further upfield like that. Um, Add a lead blocker to any of these equations and you just have the 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 lead blocker is now the one following these rules and the running back is following the lead blocker, of course, with the leeway to, you know, abandon the whole thing and get out of dodge and like totally go off script if that's what he sees. Right. But running backs usually have the leeway to just like, hey, if they see it, take it. Um, Counter is a lot like power, but you have two pullers. So you'll have like the guard and the tackle. That's GT counter, get it? Or the guard and the tight end would be like GY counter. The tight end is typically the Y. Um, But it's a lot of the same stuff. And what you'll almost always end up with on power is a a double team on the three technique. Because the three technique defensive tackle, unless it's a front where there's a one technique on the same side, I'll call that like a boss front, big on same side. So if you have both the defensive tackles on the same side, it won't work this way. But usually you don't have that, right? You have the two defensive tackles on either side. There will be a space between those two guys. And the three technique will, like, there will be an unoccupied lineman and that guy goes and doubles the three technique. But even in that double team, it's not really a pure double team. You're still, that's still, that guy's still going to peel off and try to climb up to a linebacker most of the time. Um, in some cases, you're not necessarily doing that unless that linebacker tries to like shoot past you. And again, a lot of people teach us a lot of different ways. And I don't think you have to worry too much about the minutia. But what I want you to understand in all of this, and I'm, I'm really talking to people who've learned most of what they know about football through fantasy, because I think it, if what, once you get too deep into fantasy, it starts to lead you astray in terms of understanding the game at its core level. Um, that nobody really controls which direction the run goes. The, the the running back makes that decision, and he makes that decision based on what's available, not necessarily whether he's better at running left or right, which I don't even know what that skill set would be anyways. So I want you to understand that, and I also just want you to understand generally, on a super broad strokes level, what linemen are trying to do. And usually it's, is there a guy in my gap? What's my gap? That depends on what the play call is. But is there a guy in my gap or not? And that's going to kind of determine where I'm at in the run game. 
there's my quick little NFL 101. I, let me know if you guys like episodes like this, because sometimes I feel like I'm getting really basic. Sometimes I feel like I'm going really deep. Let me know where you guys are at on stuff like this. And maybe I can do more like that. Maybe an NFL 101 guide to, you know, play action passing or something like that. That goes a little bit deeper than what you will find uh, in you know, in the middle of the season when all anybody can really muster is, hey, are they running the ball too much? Like, note, I didn't make a single point about like frequency or like hashtag establishing it or, you know, getting really setting the tone or any of that stuff. No, it's just understanding the run game basics before getting into, okay, but how often should you run that and all that other stuff? Those questions are secondary to, you know, kind of knowing the vocab first, I guess. Um, Tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday, so... Send me your questions at Luke Brown NFL or at Lockdown Vikings on Twitter. You can also send an email to Lockdown Vikings Podcast at gmail.com or uh, put a comment in YouTube or fill out the show notes, which will be in the YouTube description and in the uh, the actual description on like most of your podcast apps. So I will see you all for that tomorrow. And as always, skull.